0: Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Left Turn Canada. Andy Burkowski, Christo Avalese here, trying to bring you the leftist perspective of what's going on in Canada. And as we finished last week's show, you know, we had some pretty concrete, if maybe adapting opinions on what was happening uh, between the Ukraine and Russia about a day after we put our show out. Russia did a full-on invasion and the world is very very different so so right now as you're most abundantly aware if you're listening to this now and things have changed radically since you know Tuesday of this week that might have happened but at this point Russia has done a or is in the process of a full on invasion, not in just the supposed contested region in the Ukraine, but in many different regions of the Ukraine. It's not something a lot of people have expected.
1: And they're and, encroaching on the capital. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kiev. Mm-hmm. Uh you know it yeah it's 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 crazy because like i don't think most people were expecting this
0: i don't think so at all Like
1: i don't think people were necessarily expecting an invasion even but if they were i think the narrative was going to be because you saw it kind of coming Mm -hmm. where you know sort of kind of a, a a replay of what happened with crimea crimea was you know the the peninsula at the southern tip of Ukraine borders Russia, at least with a very kind of narrow strait, effectively borders Russia, um and a large uh, largely ethnic Russian population. Russia annexed that, it's still not recognized by most of the world, uh annexed that territory, with the argument being these people want to be Russian, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And then you saw in Donbass and Lugansk, you know, Donetsk and Lugansk, that kind of like two eastern provinces of Ukraine Uh, which kind of declared themselves independent breakaway states and were immediately recognized by, you know, the Putin government. And so you could see what was happening. And I think this was well aware. We were aware of this last week. But then the invasion just happened Mm -hmm. and troops poured in not only from the Russian border, but also from the Belarusian border. And as we speak, uh, there's a, a valiant resistance, a valiant defense by the Ukrainian people. But, you know, they are Russia, you know, Putin's uh, army is making a run for the capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's to fully conquer and annex the entirety of Ukraine, or whether it's to, you know, pummel the government into submission to get exactly what they want, or whether it's to, uh, you know, uh, have the current president Zelensky uh, executed, murdered, killed, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, in order to be replaced by a puppet regime. Putin has gone far beyond what anyone could have
0: predicted. Yeah, And his language Um, kind of bleeds into this idea, like if he wanted to really denazify, which was the unfortunate rhetoric that he used, that would be something that would require if he was, you know, being earnest in, in whatever rhetoric he's using. I, I puppet takeover or, or a full-on annexation like you're talking about here and it wasn't what people expected uh since that time since that's happened you know what do you think at this point Christo from because I think it's important to to contextualize this a little bit what is your position right now on, on what's going on and it's very personal there's definitely no like hardline left position on this one but w- what's your take on you know What is happening right now between Russia and the Ukraine and and the U.S. and Canada?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely am disgusted with what Vladimir Putin's done. Mm -hmm. Um, There is no justification for it. There was already a very, very, very contested, flimsy you know, rationale for what he would have hypothetically done if he just said, tried to push the borders again of the two breakaway provinces, that would have still made him an international pariah. Mm-hmm. But doing what he's doing, uh, hitting civilian targets, um, you know, this is a an act of total war against Ukraine. Uh, it's not something we've seen in Europe in a very long time. Um, it's it's not even something frankly we often see in this way anywhere in the world where like one nation state is making an end run to the capital of another like a a formal war it is really something that hasn't happened all too frequently it's really strategy game-esque isn't it
0: it's kind of strange isn't it
1: yeah and so honestly like i i as much as i'm critical of elements of Ukrainian society. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of the racism we've seen from the media, but also from elements within Ukraine, some of the uh, official postings of their, their Mm. armed forces and whatnot. Um, The reality is uh, Russia is the undeniable aggressor here. They are the bad guy. And while we should remain cautious in our uh, total support for Ukraine, again, given some of the problematic elements of their society, Um, the reality is that Canada and the West, I think, are generally correct in putting full sanctions on Russia as much as they've done. Uh, I don't know if you can go much further than that. I think supporting uh, sending weapons to Ukraine and sending uh, putting sanctions on russia is the right thing to do or at least the oh hold on christo christo, christo, thing to christo yeah.
0: not weapons it's called lethal aid
1: yeah yes it's called lethal aid make yes, sure you I say it that. correctly
0: it's not it, yeah. we used to send just normal aid you know yeah. medicine uh food rations yeah. people that, that they need now when we send oh, weapons fuck. it's lethal aid so america's yeah, been doing that. this for a little while they've used this rhetoric this is
1: a really new thing yeah. I, this is like a less than a couple months old but i yeah. remember a few journalists used it again i think when they were th- uh, talking about sending, in advance of this conflict, sending arms to to Ukraine, uh, it was, yeah, it's a weird term, but regardless, uh, whether you support the lethal aid being sent or not, it's dumb to call it lethal aid. But the point is, like, I I think that's the correct thing, is to to do what we can to stop this naked act of aggression. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I think one thing that really needs to be said is that, one, this is an act of imperialism. A lot of people who maybe try to defend or at least uh, excuse the Russian position will say, well, Russia is a victim of NATO imperialism. And to some degree, that's probably not incorrect. But Russia in itself, for the vast majority of its history, and in many ways until right now, is an imperial power, maybe not globally anymore like they were during the Soviet Union or parts of the Soviet Union. But the reality is that they have immense influence on the nations that border them and that often goes on imperialism and it should also be said that while it's true ukraine has deeply problematic elements um we could talk a little bit about some of this but like you know they had uh, their official national guard account shared a a, a post glorifying a, a chechen or uh, a soldier from the azov battalion who we've talked a lot about the fascists mm-hmm. that that canada helped arm and train um, dipping bullets in pig lard uh, and saying that they were going to shoot the Chechen orcs. Chechnya, the, the soldiers from Chechnya are part of a Russian region that is largely Muslim, and so it's one of the stereotypes that to get at Muslim soldiers. Yeah, it takes you, you back to the racism
0: war. of the war in yeah. Iraq, eh? Like it really yeah, exactly. does. Exactly where well, you, you got those reporting. kind of
1: stories. Exactly, <laughs> right? Where like we're gonna dip the bullets in pig in pig fat and that way the Muslims won't get to heaven or whatever. Yeah. It's like it's all bullshit, right? But but the fact is like the intent is to humiliate a population by dehumanizing them. And of course, there are Muslim Ukrainians and there are many Muslims all over the world standing in solidarity with Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. And that can't be good. And and even earlier this afternoon, just before we recorded the uh, one of the armed forces accounts from Ukraine, this one not verified on Twitter, but it does appear to be the main account it has hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, you know, sharing just a picture of some of their, their people. And one of them is just wearing the flag of Rhodesia on his oh, shirt, Jesus Rhodesia, <laughs> along with South Africa being two of the, the you know, the, the, the white supremacist mm-hmm. white minority rule States from Southern Africa that existed, you know, in the mid 20th, uh, 20th century. Um, and it's the flag that was worn um, by none other than Dylan roof. The, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the guy that shot up the black church a few years ago in, in the Southern United States. Uh, And, you know, one of the famous pictures of him is, you know, wearing a black coat with the old uh, pre apartheid era South African flag and the flag of Rhodesia. And so, like, all of this is very accurate. But, like, Putin's society is not a left wing society. Yeah, there's definitely Nazis
0: in Russia. Like, there are still Nazis Nazis in in Russia.
1: Russia. They have anti-Semites in Russia. They have white nationalists in Russia. They have Russian nationalists in Russia who... Will put you know uh, try to stamp down ethnic and mm-hmm. religious rights even within Russia you know oh, yeah. because Russia is a diverse multicultural multilingual what they've multi-linguistic done society. against the LGBTQ yeah. society there yes, like deeply it's homophobic horrible. society yeah you know a few years ago uh, let me just look this up violence in Russia was decriminalized uh, domestic violence in Russia I believe was decriminalized uh, a few years ago. Um, basically yeah in january 2017 russian lawmakers voted 380 to 3 to decriminalize certain forms of domestic violence under the new law first time offenses that do not result in seriously bottle, serious bodily bottle harm uh carry a maximum fine of 30,000 rubles up to 15 days of administrative arrest so basically um you know this is not a progressive society mm-hmm. and so in the sense that like you know we should recognize that i think that Cautious support of Ukraine is where I fall on this position. Um, okay. You know, Zelensky not bombing Moscow.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Putin is bombing <laughs> Kiev.
0: Mm-hmm. OK, so I, I think that yeah. I think that is a real interesting line. And like you said, I don't necessarily know if that is or maybe we said this before we start recording, if that is necessarily the majority left position, because this is such a a still unfortunate complicated issue but fundamentally I think I, I will agree that you have to put the burden of responsibility on uh, Russia and specifically uh, Putin and the administration that are making these choices of course it should yes. be noted there are mass protests against this war yes. in the streets of like Moscow and uh, other yes. big cities like this is definitely not a an entire culture that is being animated against Ukrainians like what we saw during the war in Iraq and just the general war against the Middle East by the United States forces so I think th- the biggest issue that I have with the position that you're taking that I think other leftists and other people that are just maybe a little disillusioned yeah. by this is the idea of how much support you do give to any sort of side in this conflict leading to an escalation. Because I think that yeah. fear of escalation, at least, yeah. uh, you know, on our, our Discord, talking to other leftists and other yeah. people from different uh walks of life here, like there are so many people who are excited and you are definitely not in that group but there are so many people who are excited about this war the worst thing i may <laughs> have ever seen was the avengers end game you know that yeah. famous montage that had all the different characters from that are involved in this war being represented by uh you know thanos and captain america like it was just yeah. sickening like i that terrifies me because i think there is such a real threat of annihilation in a way that we haven't seen before. So I'm just wondering, maybe there's a way you can even ease my worries. I'm putting the responsibility on you here, Christo. But the idea that the very righteous and perhaps perhaps even rightly sanctions and and moves that are being made by the Canadian foreign conglomerate and other, you know, Western powers, what about that putting Russia in a position where escalation seems preferable going to that point and you know where where do you fall in, in that concern um that, i mean it's it, it, it's it's
1: it's a great question I mean right now the Cause I, don't discussion, know, man. I don't know yeah <laughs> yeah. I mean, a couple things. One, you make a great point and that to, to, for a couple reasons. One, it should very, like, as you know, it should be said very clearly that while I'm sure there is some support for what Russia is doing, what Putin is doing in Russia, it is by no means universal mm-hmm. for a couple reasons. One, there have been at least a few members of the Duma, you know, their parliament come out and say that I supported a military incursion to secure the breakaway territories. yeah. But I did not support a full-on assault on Kiev and other cities, you know, outside of that area. Now, that, there hasn't been hundreds of politicians, but there have been many saying that. There's also been, you know, uh, numerous massive protests... Largely, not exclusively, but largely by young people in Russia, mm-hmm. uh, there's been protests online by athletes and actors. One of the daughters of uh, uh, the Kremlin spokespeople, spokesman, posted anti-war messaging on Instagram oh, or on wow. social media or what have you. And I think it should be said, and this isn't like a silver bullet argument that that you can't that you can't disagree with, but I do think it's somewhat telling that Ukraine is largely unified on this Mm -hmm. and Russia is at least partially divided. That might be a sign that Russia's the the fucking bad guy here, right? Like, you know what I mean? That if Russians themselves are saying this, if soldiers on the ground are saying that they, that they didn't, they didn't know they were being thrown into this conflict. If, you know people are saying that they don't want this if young people in Russia and again Russia is a country where protesting is is not welcomed always mm-hmm. yeah. um you know uh you know they're they're laying it on the line for a reason, and it's not because uh they think that uh you know uh Russia is the victim here they know that Vladimir Putin is the aggressor um in terms of sanctions i mean i I do think that's a valid concern mm-hmm. um but i I think that sanctions as of right now aren't leading to an escalation because as of right now, I think the clear red line is direct military involvement by NATO countries. Yeah, That seems to be the red line. And almost everyone that's been talking has been pretty clear on that, Mm -hmm. whether it's Boris Johnson or Joe Biden or people from NATO, they've all sort of said like, look, uh, we're helping with money. We're helping with "quote unquote" lethal aid. <laughs> we're helping with sanctions on Russia. Probably coming on Belarus, who have now kind of involved themselves. Yeah. Sort of a a state largely aligned with with Russia on 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 many matters. Um, we're doing all of that, and we're hitting the the you know specific sanctions on Putin and some you know uh, Russian billionaires, although. Uh, we could talk about this some other time. It seems like they're only called oligarchs <laughs> when they're from Slavic countries. Yeah, it's Here we just weird. call them captains of industry. But in any case, um, you yeah, know. Uh, maybe, maybe that'll
0: like, be a theme of this show, Christo, that yeah, there yeah. seems to be different terminologies yeah. for different places in the world, no matter how horrible or, or how virtuous they will be. That's a little yeah. bit of foreshadowing there. Anyways, continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I think that that seems to be the red line right now. Now, look. One concern I think people have more about Putin's desperation is what happens in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Because, again, this was not supposed to go this way. I'm not a military expert. I don't, you know, we're not, this is not Hearts of Iron 4. We're not playing, (laughs) you know, we're not uh, strategy experts. But very clearly Putin thought this would be, this would be done and dusted within 48, 72 hours. Yeah. Like he was going to make a bum rush to the Capitol. He was going to take the Capitol. He was going to apprehend the government or the government was going to flee or both. And the people would largely accept him coming in. I don't know if he was expecting like, you know, America, remember like the, the famous, they're going to greet us as liberators, (laughs) you know, American life. I don't know if he was expecting that, but I don't think he was expecting, you know, literally like, like school teachers, like, making molotov cocktails mm-hmm. uh and people just getting AKs, yeah. getting ready to like you know what i mean like they weren't expecting the quality and quantity of the yeah. defense the famous and pop so,
0: singers that are famous in russia and ukraine now like on the front lines ready like yeah. some of the most biggest celebrities in that yeah. region
1: you have like ukrainian ukrainian grandmas yeah making making molotovs right like well, here's the th- so so one risk is putin uh you know the his economy's hurting uh some of the oligarchs are telling him to reconsider uh some members of the duma are telling him they didn't support this particular type of conflict clearly there's at least a small a large minority of russians if not more that don't support the conflict and so what's happening now is that maybe he'll get more aggressive in how much weaponry and force he uses to Mm -hmm. end the conflict quicker because the longer this goes on, the more embarrassing it is for him. Um, and even though, you know, Russia is a very large army, like war's expensive, yeah. war is draining politically and, you know, financially, logistically. Um, that's, I think, my more immediate concern. But yeah, you're right. Because what if, what if uh, Putin decides not to stop at Ukraine?
0: Yeah, we didn't we go, expect we get, the invasion. Like yeah. most people didn't, didn't expect this. Yeah. So well, even
1: like less less ridiculous like 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 not that i don't think at this point we shouldn't call any action ridiculous but what if instead of like you know it's not so much that vladimir putin invades poland next but Mm -hmm. what if you know uh nato is shipping in goods and then a NATO soldier gets accidentally hit yeah. by, you know, I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's snow that snowballs because there has been an escalation by NATO in response to put, uh, you know, tens of thousands of, 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 of soldiers in some of the NATO countries. Because if you know the Baltic States, like Estonia and stuff and Poland, uh, those countries are hungry. All of these countries are, are either border Ukraine or are very, very close to it. Um, And they are NATO countries and any encroachment into them by Russia would likely lead to something more significant. Now, the debate now is on a no fly zone, which is basically which is not uh, good. Yeah. Which I don't think is going to happen. But that seems to be where the debate is, because even the people that want a no fly zone don't expect like literal NATO forces fighting back in Kiev to like push back the the siege right so I think the argument now is you uh, some Ukrainians have been asking for the the um, the EU or for NATO or for the United States or the Allies or what have you to create a um, a no fly zone which is basically an act of war yeah like it Niple, sounds that's innocuous. what happened
0: in the middle in the iraq yeah. War that really pushed things to a level that we did not necessarily expect like the use of no-fly yeah. zones by nato forces by the american military we know has a proven track record to escalate things in a way that moves things from cold war cold conflicts to too hot war they just have this weird terminology for it you know yeah, like it's, it's just sounds war.
1: innocuous yeah. like it, there's like there's gonna be some snowfall <laughs> yeah like, no you know, it's, gonna be some it's shooting people you, that know, are in the air <laughs> yeah it's so basically what it is for people who don't know is it's like a, a government an entity usually that has strong Air, air capacity. Ukraine doesn't really have much of an air force to speak of. Russia, of course, does, but the argument would be uh, the United States and its allies at NATO would would declare that no plane should be allowed to fly above the skies of Ukraine, or at least part of it. Any plane being flying will be shot down. And to enforce that, of course, it would require the potential, at least, of NATO forces shooting down Russian planes. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's just that's at that point you're you're just in war, yeah. right? And so I don't see it happening. And even today, Boris Johnson, uh, you know, who's you know uh, of the of the UK, the United Kingdom, obviously a big player in NATO, did a was was in was in Estonia and 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 was asked by somebody in the crowd quite passionately, you know, will you you know will you support a no fly zone and things like that? And he was very quick to say no. Okay. And Biden forces, Biden generals and stuff have always very quickly said no. So. I don't know if I'm worried about too much of an escalation from that point onward, and I wonder if because this invasion went so poorly, it's going to deter Putin from expanding any further. Yeah, it does like, seem like a mistake. Captured, yeah, it does seem like a big mistake. If he captured Ukraine in two or three days, yeah. then maybe he would get bold and keep going to to Poland. Mm-hmm. But right now, I don't know. Like they're they're not. This who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, Russia could still win this war and achieve all their objectives, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely not as good as they thought it was going to go for them.
0: Yeah, we should focus a little bit now on just in the last week because it has been it's crazy to think about, but it has been inside of a week what the Canadian response has been. So one of the most recent things is what we talked about uh, earlier, this idea of lethal aid, which is still the sickening terminology, when really that means, you know, anti-tank weapon systems, rockets being sent there. They closed down airspaces to Russian aircrafts that happened earlier this week. There was, of course, the uh, very important, and I know you were advocating and talking about this one particular sanction, about the disconnect of Russian banks from from Swift and what that means for a country on the the global uh, scale on a global scale to still operate and and to work. That's that's a big deal. And then, of course, we had a couple of premiers, including our own here, our own buddy. Uh, Doug Ford saying that the LCBO needs to not have any Russian products that have been distilled in Russia. Of course, yeah. that caused people to pour out Prince Igor, which I believe is made in like Latvia or something. Like, yeah, it is. not
1: all of these products are made. Smirnoff, for instance, yeah, it's just uh, funny. Like, man. Look, there's there's a call. I don't know where it's from. I'm not a vodkaologist. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, vodka is associated with Russia, even though it's not only made in Russia. Um, yeah. So a lot of products that are vodka uh, have, like, Russian names and Russian imagery because it's, like, it's part of the the, the product brand, mm-hmm. right? And so people were pouring it out. I think this is so dumb. We don't have to get into it. But, like, you already bought the fucking
0: know, vodka. It's, it's just everything right? like, we saw in the United like, States the like, so at Lopez the very here.
1: least, say, like, look, okay, look, we got this vodka. We've already bought it. Like... You know the distill. I I assume the distillery's already got their money. So what we're gonna yeah. do is we're gonna we're not gonna order any more. You, yeah. like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you could still drink it. Yeah. I mean, look. This is this is unified Canadians. Yes. Largely there are yes. there's there's a lot of people on the left, and I think they have very valid criticisms. There's of course some people on the right that uh, just want to support Russia or what have you, but like the sp- the 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 nature of this. Is such that there's there's very little division in Canada. Even Mm -hmm. in the U.S., you see more division. Yeah. Because Donald Trump has sometimes been at times praising, uh, uh, you know, giving praise to Vladimir Putin. He was on the cover of Newsmax,
0: right? Like a couple of a month ago, so ago. Yeah.
1: Some some of the um some of the uh elements of the American far right have been very pro-Putin. They see him as a defender of conservative Christianity. They see his attacks on gay people, yeah. uh, his intolerance of trans people and as good, right? Like, yeah. they see Putin as an example to emulate. Somebody who is not afraid to be an open, right-wing Christian homophobe, mm-hmm. they love it, right? He's been
0: made the uh, ally, also, of the right, I think, by, you know, resistance libs. Like, that has definitely been the project, I think, for uh, Democrats and, and and certain segments of the American populace to see Russia as... the. The real bad guy so I do think like you said there's uh, proponents of the uh, the right in the United States that are like well if he's labeled as our our bad guy let's actually see what he represents and kind of taking him on so yeah I do see the uh, the divide you're talking about but when we look here in Canada it just it doesn't I, we don't really see voices right now that are saying we need to advocate strongly for For peace and and bring both sides to the table Like I don't know if you've seen that Maybe I'm missing it But I I just I don't think it's really There's not a loud voice saying that now
1: No right now the supporting Canada Is almost entirely Mm pro-Ukraine That doesn't necessarily mean People are opposed to peace It's not you know what I mean Because especially because this is a defensive war If Russia was to snap out of it and leave That would be seen as good for Ukraine But like look This is a kind of war both with our domestic population and the aggressor abroad that gives everyone, regardless of political spectrum, at least the broad parties, an excuse to support the conflict. Yeah. Right. It's very easy for conservatives, for conservatives. They generally like them some wars more than (laughs) other people. Right. In general. Yeah. Also, the conservatives have a ton of seats out west. And Ukrainian Canadians are a major portion of our population. They're one of the biggest ethnic minorities in Canada. And in particular, in some of the Western provinces, they're like 14, 15% of the population, right? So Mm -hmm. Ukrainian Canadians are a organized, numerous, vocal, you know, part of of Canadian political society. And so um, that's big. Likewise for the, for that same reason the NDP and the who have a couple seats out west in the prairies you know in the uh in in Alberta uh and uh and in Manitoba as well and and the Liberals who also have some seats out there are also you know un uh, you know want to ensure they stay on the good side of the Ukrainian Canadian community but also Vladimir Putin is like he's not popular here yeah right and this is not the kind of foreign policy issue where like you know it's like just a like The the issues are divided based on ideology. Like, Mm -hmm. for instance, the liberals and conservatives back the coup against Evo Morales because they're fucking monsters. But Vladimir Putin is like an open, far right, you know, quasi authoritarian who hates gay people and and, and all of that. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of reasons to unite here. You want to look like you're pro Ukrainian because they're the, the victims here. Uh, You want to be good to the Ukrainian Canadian community, which is large and organized in this country. uh, And you want to be able to stick it to somebody that's not very popular here. Right. Mm -hmm. This is why in the United States you've seen a quick shift. Um, Republicans seem to almost be defending Putin. A lot of them even uh, last week. Now, almost all of them have either shut up or have jumped on the Biden's not doing enough to fight Putin bandwagon. Because you look at the polling. Even people that identify as conservatives in the United States, they don't like Russia right now and they don't like Putin right now. And even like on the pure erroneous erroneousness of it, right wingers still think and some people still think Russia is communist. Yeah. And so if you hate communists. Oh, God. It, you look, we're not going to get into how much that makes me want to become the Joker, but like the reality,
0: <laughs> dude. That we oh, vi- just just one second. That video yeah. that the Lincoln Project made. If you haven't seen it on yeah. Twitter, make sure yeah. you do because it it will make you. It's just a tier below the Avengers End Game, looking for mm-hmm. death and war in like a comic yeah. way, so that we feel less bad. The Lincoln yeah. Project one is like, horrific. It's
1: legitimate to criticize some republican coziness with russia again in particular shady business dealings in some cases and you know it's it's kind of like uh, you know a lot of conservatives are like man you know putin's really homophobic <laughs> he's getting it done against yeah. the gays we could do that like that's like the but it's like uh, everyone in canada every major political party is broadly united in this and i think it's easy in some ways because one the bad guy is so clear the good guy is identifiable. We'll talk about that. But the, the victims here are white Europeans. And maybe we'll talk about this next. Yeah. Um, and there's a large group of those particular white Europeans in Canada. And again, Putin's a, a, a big bad guy. And critically, right now, there is no discourse, at least from what I've heard, of actually sending Canadian soldiers to fight and die. Yeah. And so it's something everyone can kind of support. Many people argue, and I don't think unreasonably, that sanctions are an act of war, but most Canadians don't see that as such. So they think Canada's role is constructive uh, and and biased, but not necessarily entering into a state of war like we did in Afghanistan.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think that ties very nicely into a big part of this conflict that we this war that we we want to talk about because i think back to the war in iraq and and the war in afghanistan and and the social media that we have today was not even remotely to the level uh back then so we're we're getting to see perspectives and and narratives being built in ways that we haven't seen before And I want to go to our Patreon uh, question asker here. Uh, Go to patreon.com slash left turn Canada. Bunch of new patrons there. So thank you very much. And this is a question from Grandiizer. And the question is, do you folks think the Russian Ukrainian situation will affect Canadian domestic policy or Canadian attitudes around our foreign policy choices with countries like Yemen and the conflict in Israel? So no.
1: I, no, I, I, no, not only those no latter ones. No, not at all. And not those only no, ones, Christo, not at all.
0: I want to, like, no. maybe, maybe now People, we should play the clip because it's like, yeah, it's...
1: yeah we'll, we'll play the clip. Yeah. Play the clip. This isn't a place with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan that has seen conflict raging for decades. You know, this is a relatively civilized uh, relatively European, I
0: have to choose those words carefully too.
1: Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. What's
0: compelling is just looking at them the way they're dressed. These are prosperous, I'm going to use the expression, these are prosperous middle-class people. These are not obviously refugees trying to get away from areas in the Middle East. Me, I'm sorry,
1: it's really emotional for me because I see European people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed, children being killed every day with Putin's missiles.
0: Just to put it bluntly, these are not refugees from Syria. These are refugees from uh, neighboring Ukraine. And that, quite frankly, is part of it. These are um, Christians, they're whites, they're. So that should tell you pretty loud and clear: the world is still not ready to look at brown people as the same as white people. Like it's just that simple. Yeah, and look, there's there's no way, there's
1: no way, there's no way this is going to change our approach to Palestine. There's no, there's no fucking way. I mean, look, and like, look, again, Israel is a very diverse society. Many as people in Israel do not support the mistreatment of Palestinians, but there were large, um protests in israel um you know decrying the the aggression and, and occupation of a foreign
0: people yeah, yeah. <laughs> right without any
1: without any sense of cognitive dissonance because that's what they've been doing to palestine yeah. for 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 generations now right um and so the 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 reality is that there's no way that's going to change our approach to Yemen or to any of these countries. There's no. There's no I way. think it makes there's it no worse. Way. Almost, it, might, it yeah. might awaken more Canadians to the mm-hmm. contradictions, and that's good. But the Liberal and Conservative parties, and probably the NDP in some ways too, is not going to change their policy based on that. Yeah. Again, hopefully that does raise more rank and file, like popular awareness. Uh, but you know, Matthew Green got hammered. Because he shared a, um, you know, friend of the show, Matthew Green, because he shared a image which happened to be made by a Russian-affiliated media organization, blah, 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 I don't give a fuck, but was accurate. It was like, look, there are, there's military aggression happening in Ukraine, but also in Yemen also in Israel-Palestine, also in Ethiopia, and there were lots of other examples, or Somalia, sorry, uh, and other examples as well. And it wasn't, wasn't, of course, purely exhaustive. And people accused him of trying to downplay the the, the crisis Mm -hmm. there. In terms of domestic politics, I don't know how much of an effect it's going to have. On the one hand, you might think that if the war is popular, often a government, when they're engaged in like a popular war, they see a bump, right, in polling. But... All the parties seem pretty united here. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, parties are scoring points. I mean, the NDP has been proactive in calling for a lot of the sanctions. Uh, Just now, Jenny Kwan has said that the Liberals sort of promised a you know uh, barrierless you know uh, access to. Uh, refugee status for for Ukrainian people coming over. Jenny Kwan, who's a BC NDP, or a federal NDP MP from BC, who's also I think the, the 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 critic for that file, has said that the Liberals have not done that. They've sort of made that promise and haven't kept it. Um, so I I do think <laughs> that uh it, the effect is going to be minor. On domestic yeah. politics. No, I, if I'm being honest.
0: I'm even concerned that it will have a more negative effect because, like we we did just gloss over it. We made this little clip for y'all, but it is really disgusting, and maybe in some ways liberating to see. Just glimpses of the veil falling of mainstream media affiliates and and people that work that are supposed to represent in a much more unbiased way the events of the world where war is concerned. It's so important to try to get access to information when these conflicts are happening. And just to hear the. Just obvious racism, the disdain, not calling these countries civilized like other wars, lamenting the deaths of blonde, blue eyed men and women. Like, it's just no. so universally disgusting that I'm concerned yeah. that it will not actually awaken us from this nightmare, but just become more prevalent in the way we speak. I
1: don't speak. know if it's going to get worse, right? Well, dude, mean, here's like a question. Really like, bad. I, got, well, like, fact that Yeah, people- go ahead. They ripped off, so so many masks were ripped off. Yeah. right. You know what I mean? Like in the media, in Canadian media, in, in uh, European media, in American media, in uh, like like French language media. I think we all played English clips there, but in France, they've made similar claims. Mm-hmm. Look, I think that there is, I don't know if it's going to change. That, that's not me. I, I don't know if it's going to get worse. I don't think it's going to get better either. Ooh, but I, I think know, it's man. a really illustrative moment of like why we care. It's these people look like us, and when of course when they say that, it's they don't realize that no, can't, can't like a lot of Canadians don't look like that. Right? You know what <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, a lot of Canadians don't. A lot of Canadians have come from places that have had conflicts, and those conflicts have just been ignored, right? Yeah. Like you know, they, they but they look like us. All of that, they're quote unquote educated, civilized. I I do think that that is a very important discussion to have, mm-hmm. and it's been difficult to have it. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people have uh, brought these things up. Uh, it, not only the racist coverage, not only some of the racist actions by Ukrainian forces and and Ukrainian Polish forces, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: but the the specifically a big one being the treatment of migrants at the border. Yes. So as people may not know right now, um, Ukraine is not part of the EU, so they don't have like a free movement clause like say Poland does with. Germany, Right. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, the they, they, uh, people often go across the border and many people are dual citizens. And there are a significant amount of people in Ukraine, whether it's for work visas or whether it's for studies or whatever, that are in the country from places like Africa. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, you know, uh, at least a, a decent amount of, 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 of black people in Ukraine who are not Ukrainian citizens and right now ukraine has a policy that i think if you're 18 to 60 and you are a ukrainian man you're not allowed to leave the country because like Jesus. it's it's total wartime we don't like we don't have time to debate that that policy but women and children and you know the elderly and what have you are able to leave the country and they are being accepted. What we're seeing at the border in at least some cases and this could be due in part to actions by Ukrainian officials but not totally because again a border is a two-way thing. People have to you know you have to cross into another country. Um black people and other minorities like people from India, South Asia have been blocked in some cases or they've been forced to wait days oh. where ukrainian women mm-hmm. have been forced to wait hours and to get, you've you know, been to get on trains and it and was called
0: uh disinformation right yeah, exactly. when this was and first that's presented the sickening part of yeah. this
1: some people might say okay well look it's times of war maybe children should have priority you know most of these people who are there temporarily do not have kids of course that's not always the case whatever you could maybe make limited defenses but there were large voices saying don't share th- these images of black people it's freezing on the Poland Ukrainian <sighs> border because that's just Kremlin disinformatizia. you know what oh, I mean like Jesus. they're like you're, you're they're, they're they're trying to argue that like all this is doing is to try to make Ukraine and the NATO allies look bad uh and you should just ignore it when in reality it's very true and to their credit I did see last night CNN, uh, you know, I was watching their coverage. They did take at least some time to actually go to the border and talk with these people yeah. and cover their plight, which was good to see to have you know big source acknowledgement of it. But you know, this has really really exposed a lot of racism and it's exposed a lot of racism in Canada as well right where yeah no
0: dude I got a story right here Uh, Sean O'Shea doing for Global News tonight so if you're if you I guess you won't be able to it hopefully I'll get it up in time but Tuesday night he had a big expose of different Ukrainians here is a 61 year old Ukrainian man lives in Toronto he just got his Canadian citizenship he's flying back home to fight for his country because the belief is that one person in his own words can make Make a difference and he wants to fight for a country that's being oppressed. Others have said it, and it's a bit of a a trite bit, but I'm gonna say it now. If this was a Palestinian that had exactly the same story, is had exactly the same credentials, not only would this not be a story, but he would probably be labeled a terrorist and would have difficulty coming back into Canada. And pointing that out, pointing that this is the biggest thing for me about this entire issue. It's so important that we point out the happenings of this, of when there is blatant racism and, and kind of imperial war jockeying. It doesn't mean that we believe Russia is the good guy. Like it is a dialectical response. This is still wrong. And what Russia is doing is still wrong. And what American and, and NATO forces maybe have done before this that maybe led us to this, these situations is still wrong. We don't just have to be so linear and binary with our understanding of like foreign policy or just general humanity like it's just it's so sickening that that is the way people think and it's not a small segment of the population either Christo like I think there's a big voice saying you know if you point out the fact that uh, people of different ethnicities are not getting the treatment they should during this war. If you point out that the media does have these absolute blatant biases and that Canada is still sending you know, lethal aid, if you will, to Saudi Arabia, that's somehow hurting or saying that you believe in what Putin and the Russian forces are doing. And it's just not true. We yeah. need to accept that these bad things are also yeah. happening. Like, if you don't do that, What's the point? And like these it's bad oh.
1: things happening, and I'm not saying they're fake, right? But like these bad things happening, because they are happening,
0: yeah,
1: are the thing that's feeding the fucking narratives, right? Yeah, <laughs> like you, you know, if you, like you you are handing whether when the official Ukrainian account is tweeting, oh, let's hit Muslims with pig coated <sighs> bullets, yeah. like you know, and you're tweeting that shit out. You're just doing the work. All the the Russians don't even have to make anything up. You're just being racist. Yeah. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And so in Canada, you've seen it like a lot of journalists in Canada, people of color, uh, have, have come out and said, you know, this is very, uh, this is very, um, telling that, you know, Ukrainians seemingly are being welcomed all of a sudden without, you know, uh, critique without condition. We want to bring them to Canada right now. Mm -hmm. um, No ifs, ands, or buts. But with Syrians, it was a big fight. And Canada did take a decent amount of Syrian refugees. Mm -hmm. But I think you make a fantastic point where, you know, loyalties uh, to your country and, and, and this idea of terrorism is not being is not happening here because we agree with the conflict and because they're white people remember just because Jagmeet they're white people yeah. has been asked to denounce the like air india bombing and denounce <laughs> Holy, that's separatism. that's a great point it's a when, great when point even Jugmeet, like it's not like Jugmeet's father did you know what i mean it's like yeah. just something that loosely is connected to his culture and he's been asked to apologize more for that and for Christia Freeland, loving and celebrating Nazi grandpa, right? Well, Do you remember talk how big that was job. with yeah. Like it was that yeah. was a huge was story for a while. His first interview, his yeah. first interview after winning the NDP leadership, mm. right? His first leader after winning the the leadership. Um,
0: oh boy!
1: Uh, 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 he went on the CBC, and Terry Malevsky gave that interview. Uh, and basically he was like, "Why don't you apologize for this All right like that so was his first that was his first interview in front of a, a broad Canadian audience. maybe his first chance to and that's what the interview became about. not his vision for the NDP, not his vision for uh the you know for the country, not what you know what it means for him to break so many barriers just, like, fucking an ambush, right, by, by, by the CBC. <laughs> and I would um, say, like, you know, I, I,
0: yeah. people of color right now are listening and kind of chuckling to themselves, like, yeah, dude, we know. You, you yeah. white guys are saying this, but yeah, we know. Like, it's... Yeah. It, absolutely it's clear to say
1: it because i think a lot of people are seeing it like never before and like a lot of journalists are saying like look this is the example and they're not saying we should like be me as mean to the ukrainians as we are (laughs) to refugees of color refugees that aren't christian or what have you they're saying that maybe this is what it should always be like right yeah and you know like you're even seeing it like and and to be fair candace bergen did get called out of it but you know candace bergen the um the uh, current inter- the interim leader of the uh, Conservative Party tweeted something out uh, earlier today, and she is talking about how we need to be tough on Russia, we need to, you know, uh, talk about Canadian oil and gas. But she says Canada should be a safe haven for Ukrainians fleeing Putin's invasion. Conservatives are calling on this government to step up for freedom and democracy and help our friends in Ukraine during this crisis. We call for visa-free travel from Ukraine to Canada, which, again, I support. Mm-hmm. I 100% support that. But, like, she would have never called for visa-free travel from uh, a country if it was not... Uh, seen as you know a, a white Christian nation, There's she would no call way. the
0: party that suggested yeah. that traitors. Like it, it, yeah. it, it's so far, it's yeah. the exact antithesis of the of her in 100%. particular of what we've seen from her. So it's just it's it's laughable at this point. So I think it is a good step now to to go into what our deputy p.m. is doing we don't have vice presidents here in canada but this is a yeah. very important political uh, she's official the
1: number two yeah like christia freeland she's the deputy prime minister which again isn't much of a thing like technically i guess if trudeau was to like pass away or quit all of a sudden she would in the very interim uh, assume um prime ministerial capacity Yeah, but i mean what would actually happen is the liberals would elect a new leader and then that person would become prime minister. But in any case, she's clearly being set up as the successor to Justin Trudeau. There's, mm-hmm.
0: there's no doubt. And what did she do, Krista? What what did we see from her? We've talked about it here before. Yeah, she has a legacy of uh, Ukrainian heritage. She does have, and it is not something that's to be disputed, she does have a grandfather that worked if you don't want to call him a Nazi and
1: had certain views that were aligned with Nazis you can
0: call him a Nazi collaborator without any feeling of worry because that is 100% verified and she had spent almost her entire career not saying you know I don't want to be judged by the sins of my grandfather but saying he was a wonderful man that taught me the values that led me to the positions I have today denying that he had these positions so like it, she's it's i i think we can both agree Christo, if she had just said you know i'm not responsible for the sins of my grandfather i'm a different person i recognize you know the legacy and in, in the negatives of it i don't think this you could hold anything against her right like i really don't necessarily think that's the wrong thing to say but the fact that she's doubled down and has become kind of a beacon of the Ukrainian community across Canada. She very, she always talks about it. Yeah. Kind of shows where her lines are. So she's been out supporting the the Ukrainian people, which again is the good thing to do. But she was photographed with some bad stuff, right, Christo?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Christia Freeland, again, we should specify this. I don't think either of us think Christia Freeland is a Nazi.
0: No, not uh, at I all. And I don't
1: think most people think she's a Nazi, but the the reality is that she, for a long time, has cited her grandfather. And there's a great piece by David Mastracci uh, in in Passage, uh, which it basically says why he feels, and he's correct, I think, uh, uh, Freeland should apologize or condemn her Nazi grandfather. Because yeah. on the one hand, in isolation, she owes us nothing on that regard. Yeah. She does not, oh, you're not responsible for the sins of your father, and especially your grandfather, right? Who mm-hmm. most did most of these things before she was born, uh, well before she was born. Um, and so. That, that's one thing. It's not as if Christia Freeland never mentioned her grandfather and then 40 years later, somebody brought up her Nazi grandpa and asked her to apologize, ambushing her. Yeah. She has called this Russian disinformation. She has routinely talked about her grandfather and grandmother having this deep, broad influence on her life and her worldview, helping her to get to where
0: she is. Yeah, her, the economic so success ways. that yeah. she had, like the yeah. legacy of wealth came from yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and so... You know, I think a lot – and she's often said things like, our grandparents fought so bravely to defend this country during the Second World War. Yeah, that was funny. And so – and of course, you know, as I noted on Twitter, and I got a lot of liberal hate for that, but I said, you know, it's like, I don't know about all of our grandparents. Now, I think, (laughs) to be fair, another one of her grandfathers did serve on the Canadian side, I believe, so maybe she was referring to him, but she didn't specify. The point is she has called on this grandfather's influence for a lot. You can't live by the sword and die by the sword. Mm -hmm. If she never talked about Grandpa, then I would be right one hundred percent in favor of the people saying she owes him nothing um, and doesn't have. Or if she said,
0: or if she did talk about him, like we said, and just said, you know, I'm obviously not responsible. I, it's not. I want to live differently. That would be okay without question. Yeah, a
1: hundred percent. Yeah, and so, um, but she she's made that claim, and so I think it's perfectly fair game. Now, what she did this weekend was that all over, all over Canada, there were rallies in support of Ukraine. And the mm-hmm. vast, vast majority of people there were not far-right, were not sporting far-right iconography. Most people were carrying you know, the blue and yellow Ukrainian flag or the Canadian flag or uh, other symbols to represent peace and, 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 and all of that. But Freeland went with a red and black scarf with the words like basically like glory to Ukraine on them. Sounds innocuous enough, but the red and black scarf, which often in some cases uh, refers to anarcho-syndicalism, right? You know, the red and black flag to kind of like left-wing anarchism. In this particular case, refers to a historic far-right militia group in the Ukraine. In Ukraine, sorry. We try not to say the Ukraine. Yes, anymore. not In not Ukraine, um, who... Um, who um, uh, committed acts of violence against um, both Polish people and Jews in many cases yeah. uh, and is not seen as a particularly nice group. <laughs> now, I know the politics of the region and of the time are very complicated, but it's seen as a hateful symbol. And there's yeah, so a let's, lot of Let's pushback. reiterate,
0: just to make sure, ever, we all caught that our deputy PM was photographed wearing this symbol.
1: Well, not wearing it to Sorry. Be, what she was sorry, doing. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Standing in standing in front of a crowd, taking not a photo it, yeah, sorry. <laughs> under a big banner saying I stand with Ukraine, and that was fine, but they were holding and she was holding it sort of strewn across this group of people with that 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 symbol. And a lot of people at first basically said, Oh, you know, this symbol either isn't that bad or this symbol um, you know, isn't uh isn't what you think it means. This symbol is fine actually. Glory to Ukraine is fine. The statement has historically been connected to far right groups, but of course, "glory to Ukraine," you know, is in isolation might just be, um, you know, innocuous. But then she deleted it. You know, she deleted interesting, the
0: tweet. interesting. She deleted
1: the tweet, and then basically with the same or very similar words. Okay, so she basically had this up here. This is uh from Dan uh, Dan uh, Bachner on Twitter. Uh, uh, she tweeted at the first one. Which was her she's saying, we stand united, we stand with Ukraine, and then said it in Francais, and then said, Slavia Ukraini, which is, you know, uh, and, and uh, then hold her and these other people holding this symbol. Then in the next one, she writes basically the same thing, and it's her, I don't know if it's with the same people, but it's the same basic photo, like same angle, she's under the, the, the thing, not holding that scarf anymore, just kind of standing arm in arm, arm with these people, you know, standing with Ukraine. Uh, and so clearly she knew what she was doing. And yeah. the argument I got, fucking wild, was I'm like, why did she delete it, bro? Why, yeah. the, why the fuck did she delete it? There's nothing wrong with it. Why did she delete it? And they said, well, it's because people like you are spreading inf- misinformation and it's just easier for her to delete it. And I'm like, excuse me. I've been told for months now that she is the badass girl boss, bad, you know you know badass that stands up to Putin and stands up mm-hmm. to to Saudi Arabia and stands up to tyrants and uh, is girl bossing her way to the 24 Sussex you know in a few years maybe and Christo Abeles tweeting out something <laughs> and other people tweeting out something scared her into deleting something that there's nothing wrong with
0: that's it right? she hasn't
1: acknowledged it so again all of this in combination is just a real sign that one, she's getting away with all of these things again because, um, you know, the white people. <laughs> white people. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's white, white people. Pe- it's part of its partisan politics. Liberals and conservatives. I doubt an NDP. Again, Matthew Green got really hammered for 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 sharing a factual image that just happened to be produced by a group that we don't like. Yeah. Um. But the reality is like. Because it's a European group and because we're standing with Ukraine, people are just looking past these things. People are looking past the the these these kind of troubling signs of, of, of far right politics. And so, um, you know, I just I, I think that we're at the point now where she's done these things and we're at the point now where she continues to celebrate her grandfather's legacy yeah. that she sort of owes Canadians an explanation. And I'm not even saying that in the sense that like, oh, we need to grill her even more necessarily. I I said this on Twitter. Uh, if Christian Freeland just said, one, my grandfather was a Nazi collaborator and I denounce his actions and beliefs, and two, I am sorry for posing with an open symbol of hatred at a rally, 99% of the criticism would melt away. Now on this, of course, there's other criticism. Yeah. She helped do the coup in Bolivia.
0: All of <laughs> but that. she would never like, say that. There's no reality, no. I think, where she would say that for the reasons no. that we've said on this show. Like there no. is enough of a constituency that will Burn you at the stake for even suggesting that there is some connection towards even a legacy, not even an active connection now, but a legacy of Nazism and far right belief within the Ukrainian communities. Not counting for the SS monuments that are here in like Oakville that Canadian uh, Ukrainians really wanted to be put up because it was their fight against communism. Like it just, I think that Jagmeet we talked about it earlier would be in a completely moral defensible position. If he said, you know, why hasn't Freeland been, held to task on this why hasn't yeah. she had to answer for yeah. the issues of this direct issue if it is a mistake it's a mistake when I had to answer for something completely erroneous and yeah. obscene like we, we just that's why I was kind of worried uh, earlier, Chris, we were talking about, you know, the hope that this will open more people's eyes, the blatant mask off racism, all this. And yeah. if Chris has been doing this for years and it's at the fever pitch and still no one gives a shit, like maybe no one will give a shit. Like maybe it's just yeah. not meant to be. And it's a little I hate we always end on a nihilistic note, but I just I, I am concerned that we are reaching yeah. that level. I think right
1: now it's hard yeah i think at least in the short term there definitely is a sense and you make a good point there uh that maybe you're right that it could get worse although i don't even think that's worse necessarily i just think yeah not worse really of, yeah it's a product of like right now everyone's supposed to be supporting ukraine and anything that's critical of anything connected to ukraine is seen as at, at, at best like distractions yeah and at worst you know pro-putin propaganda so i, I look this is this is crazy I, I maybe we can end on this but like i don't know what caused this but it's a clear sign that people are being put under a lot of pressure yesterday uh at eight thirty a.m a columnist from the calgary herald i believe from uh but a newspaper columnist alicia corbella shared that article that we've talked about before christia freeland's granddad was indeed a nazi collaborator so much for disinformation. It's from, like, 2017, uh, I I believe, or what have you. This is from the Ottawa Citizen. Uh, She shared that. At 10.30 this morning, 10.58 this morning, she, in response to another piece, says, an excellent piece, it's wrong for Christia Freeland to be held accountable for a grandfather who likely wasn't a Nazi collaborator. (laughs) So, 26 hours prior, she called him a Nazi collaborator. And now she's already changed her tune. Why? right and I think there is a this real aversion to anything that's critical of Ukraine even if we're just criticizing a Canadian leader because the criticism of Christia Freeland is gonna have no material effect on the war effort right yeah so yeah and that's what's so wrong
0: like it's the whole thing that got me heated earlier in this episode acknowledging that Christia Freeland has a Nazi collaborating grandfather and maybe we should you know she shouldn't be so proud of that for reasons of Obvious sensibility doesn't mean that we think Putin is great and he should be dropping bombs in Kyiv. Like, it, it, we need to be more dialectical, or we're going to be forced into these positions where absolutism will lead us to barbarism and destruction. Like, we can't think in such binary terms anymore because, like you said, I think very succinctly earlier it will just feed the real enemies of peace. Like it's almost designed that way. And I don't know if it's just a byproduct of the decade of war in Iraq and Afghanistan and just the, the way that narratives had to be built there to have that overwhelming support. Like it does kind of feel like the American support for the war in Iraq Right now, but Canadian support for what's going on in Ukraine, like there, there's an unflinching, completely unified. And of course, it's not the same sort of thing, but there is, you know, tenors of imperialism. Maybe the the forces are a little different, but there is things that you can draw from. And if we can't find the nuances in these narratives, we will just always be in terrible situations. Like it's just it's pushing us forward in a way that we can't afford anymore because last week we didn't think there would be an invasion in ukraine who knows what will happen you know a week from now and you want to bust balls because someone is not being as you know as pedantic about exactly what chrysia is like it's just we're past that we we can't do that anymore man so uh anything else before we finish up here Christo?
1: No, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, Solidarity with the people of Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I wish them all the best
0: yeah absolutely and again if you want to join our little community patreon.com slash left turn canada just a buck a month just to that's what we have to ask you so that you can join up with us and uh just with the service how it works there and yeah you can have your questions featured on the show and uh yeah christo i, I see a little addendum i don't know if i include this in the show how are you enjoying elden ring i see you've been playing it.
1: yeah it's been good it's really hard, it's
0: really hard. <laughs> all right we'll end on that elden ring is very hard Bye.